man. Watch out, Doc. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olsen, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is one of my favorite hours of the entire week. It's Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, and we've got a good one for you today. And, um, you know, I uh, I get excited about this because I know that so many people out there need good health care. And I know that so many people out there can't afford good health care. And sometimes you can't even afford to, to go into the hospital. Sometimes you can't go in and, and get the, the medical attention you need. And, and I understand that. And I also know that you've got kids at home. I've got four kids. They're, they're constantly active. Even through this COVID-19 situation, they're out there practicing. They're out there trying to get their sports going. And coaches are trying to get things going. And so I know that you've got kids that are active and potentially putting themselves in harm's way for injury. So if you're dealing with an injury or if your kid is dealing with an injury, or maybe your husband or your wife is dealing with an injury, maybe mom or dad, you've got some issue and you just want a little bit of help, give us a call at 855-340-9663. That's 855-340-ZONE. Put it in your phone and give us a call because we got one of our favorite physicians on the line. It's Dr. Cushman. Dr. Cushman, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, it's great to have you back. It's been too long. How have you been through this whole COVID situation? You know, knock on wood, uh, things have gone fine for myself, my family, and everything. So uh, we've been uh, kind of looking at the silver linings, and i got to hang out with them a lot more than I ever did before. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, that is kind of nice. And i got to imagine that these Zoom calls or, or these meetings online have been quite different for you. Oh, for sure. And I... Uh, it's. Uh, I've found that I haven't worn like a tie in probably four months. So it's been the best four months of my life in some way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It really has changed everything, hasn't it, Doctor Cushman? It, it really has in so many ways. That's incredible. So, if you'd like to call in and get some thoughts or ideas from Doctor Dan Cushman, we'd love to have you do that. Again, our great board-certified physicians from University of Utah Health coming on and really just giving an hour of their time to take phone calls and try to help you get some understanding on what's going on with your body and and see if we can get you pointed in the right direction. You know, maybe help you understand what what physician you're even looking for um, just to, to really get started in your health recovery. 855-340-9663 to jump on the phone line with us. That's 855 340 Zone, And, you know, Dr. Cushman, I wanted to start with talking about the, the return to the NBA for these athletes. Um, I, I want to get some of your thoughts in regards to these athletes coming back from this delayed time or this this layoff and jumping back into the season. Do you, do you believe that these NBA athletes are going to be more at risk for injury? 
Yeah, it's a great question, and I, I think that's a that's a tough one. I think people have differing opinions. So some people think, you know, they had a lot of time to rest, a lot of time to recover, less, you know, shorter season, that type of thing. Therefore, they're less likely to get injured. And then there's a whole group of people who always think the exact opposite and say they have not been able to train to their usual level. They have not been able to play as a team. They haven't been able to do the, all the usual stuff they do, and therefore they're more likely to be at risk of an injury. Um, my guess is if I were to bet, I'll bet it's going to be similar, to be honest. I think that um, these are guys who have been playing for a while. They know what they're doing, and um, they are – almost always focused enough to really still do what they can given the the, um, the situation. I'll bet it'll still be kind of similar, honestly. Interesting. So I, uh, I just to, for everybody out there that's listening, uh, Dan Cushman works with the University of Utah track and field team. He works with the University of Utah swim team, works with high-level athletes, and you know these are the types of physicians that you have access to when you go to University of Utah Health for your health care. And you can check them all out at sportsmed.uviewhealth.org. These are great physicians. And, you know, Dr. Cushman, I, I guess when we're talking about the return to play and we're talking about this delayed time, in your opinion, in, in your professional opinion, how long does it take to get the body back up and running to that level? I think that, that mostly depends on kind of how how much they took off. So if people are, you know, not doing anything, sitting on the couch for three months, it's going to take a while. If they were really still doing conditioning, weights, uh, you know, anything aerobic along with that stuff, um, it usually comes back pretty quick um, in the younger population like that. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a big, it depends on what they what they have been up to in the off season. to jump on the phone line with us. If you've got any health questions, uh, you're listening to Dr. Dan Cushman here on University of Utah Health Doc Talk. 855-340-9663 to jump on with us. As far as the, the bubble that they're building, and as you've kind of looked at some of the model or paid attention to some of the model of these athletes returning to some type of bubble or some type of controlled environment, is it possible that this can work? <laughs> well, uh, like to put it in perspective, where um, as you probably know, they're having the National Women's Soccer League um, tournament. They're going to have that here in Salt Lake City coming up. And um, already one of the teams has had to drop out um, because so many athletes tested positive and coaches. Um, And so, you know, if one person on the team gets it, there's a high likelihood that it spreads. And even if they're asymptomatic, which is often the case, you can't go spreading it to everyone. Um, And if a team plays another team, there's a good chance you're going to start spreading it. So I think the rules are going to be pretty strict on on allowing people back um, for that reason. So I think if they are able to do the right things, that means like staying away from people six feet, doing the masks, which really have been proven to work lately, all that kind of stuff, I think there's a good chance that they'd be able to. But that's a hard thing to do in like the competitive um, environment and the life they're used to leading. 
Absolutely it is. And we've seen a couple of instances. You just brought up the instance of the Orlando Pride, who will not be coming to Salt Lake City, which starts this weekend um, with the National Women's Soccer League. They will not be participating. And that does that does worry you. They've had to reorganize some of the scheduling, but they're moving forward with it. And then we saw Novak Djokovic, who's one of the top tennis mm-hmm. players in the world. He was at a party. And was, you know, filmed at this party and his wife came down with COVID and he came down with COVID and there were eight other people that came down with it in in that area. So we know that, you know, if you go messing around, you're susceptible to it and you can bring it back and it can be a large explosion. Um, Last thing that that I guess selfishly I wanted to get from you before we jump out to these phone lines. um, It's it's been unpredictable the spread has been unpredictable and I, I say that because you know we saw donovan mitchell and rudy gobert had it in at the very, very beginning of all this march 11th they had it and they were with that team 24 7 stacked into hotel rooms stacked into buses you know breathing practicing against each other the staff was all together and they and and this is is common really uh, going across the board, even in the return to play, we've seen individuals test with it. How, how come, Dr. Christian, how come some people contract it and, and some people don't that are within, you know, those breathing droplets? Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the challenges with, with viruses in general. And, I mean, that even goes for the common cold, the flu, everything is um, – there are some people who are exposed and don't get it, and there are people who are exposed and get it, and the amount they're exposed doesn't always correlate. And so, you know, when we look at the public health aspect of it, that's that's taking it rather from the individual and looking at all the individuals. And so we can kind of look at that a lot easier. It's almost simpler in some ways, and we can say, well, we know that if we're getting more and more cases, we're going to see more and more people. And so it becomes pretty obvious when you look at it from a wider lens, but when you're looking at the individual, it's really hard to predict just like you said. And so all you can do is just kind of implement large-scale procedures, masks, social distancing, those kind of things, because we know that on the large scale, that's going to reduce it. But that doesn't mean that for that one particular person, it is definitely going to reduce it or it definitely is not. It just comes down to percentages there. So I think all you can do is just implement those procedures that you know work on large populations. You're listening to Dr. Dan Cushman here on Doc Talk, 855-340-9663. I know that there's a lot of confusion out there, too, with people that are driving around listening to Doc Talk. If you've got questions about masks, uh, it, how they how they really do affect our population and, and affect the spread of COVID. If you've got questions about COVID in general, um, we've been fielding those over the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, it, it really has been more sports related than anything, Dr. Cushman. It's, it's really been fun to field some of these questions because people are still out there. They're active and they are suffering through some different injuries. You ready to jump out to the phone lines? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. 855-340-9663 to jump on with us. Chuck, you are up first with Dr. Cushman. Go ahead, Chuck. How's it going, Dr. Cushman? Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. So I just had a question. I've been dealing with an Achilles injury for honestly a couple years now. I went in and and uh, kind of had it assessed, and they told me that I had 
Well, basically, they, he called it a partial tear, kind of more just um, over time deterioration kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a physical th- It was I don't remember the doctor, but it was through U of U uh, Health Center up in Farmington. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to a physical therapist up there as well that convinced me to try physical therapy for a while, which I did, and I saw a gradual improvement, I guess. I guess I'm really just more looking for advice. I'm, I mean, it's not like I can't walk, I can't do things, but there's there's pain often, and, like, mornings are tough. Like, it's kind of you've got to warm it up, get it going. Uh, I guess at what point do I just opt for surgery, and what what does that look like? I guess it's kind of yeah. What and I'm just to make for. sure you didn't have like a single injury; it just kind of slowly came on over time. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So um, those can be a challenge, <laughs> to say the least. Um, uh, my guess is you probably saw Dr. Monson out there, who's fantastic. Um, and she and I generally, we've talked a lot about this. We've worked together a lot. And um, Achilles tendinopathy is one of the things that we see a lot of. And so this, on the spectrum of it, if you look at it, depending on where along your tendon you have it, so if it's at where it inserts on the bone of your heel, that's a different way of treating it than if it's at kind of in the, the main meat of the tendon. Um, so first of all, okay. can you tell where that is? Is it like in the main part against the bone or up above that? Uh, it's up above that. Okay. So with that one, um, in our world, there are very few things that work 80 to 90% of the time. And with this, physical therapy generally works about 80 to 90% of the time. So it's one of the things that we definitely, um, across the board, will say you need to start with that um, because you have the best chance of long-term success with that. Um, and there are many different ways of treating it, but most of them revolve around making sure that you start loading that tendon correctly and progressively adding load to it. So I'm sure that's some of the stuff the physical therapists do with you. If that doesn't work, then we start progressing to um, maybe considering imaging. So I don't know if you've had an MRI or an ultrasound of that. I have, yeah. Okay. And that just mostly rules out that there's not something else contributing. And then we get to the point where we start using um, things like uh, medications. So there are topical medications like anti-inflammatories and nitroglycerin, um, those kind of things. But those are more more pain relief rather than than fixing the issue most of the time. if those aren't helping, then we can start talking about procedures. And so in general, I, I can't speak for everybody, but in my opinion, I think that when you get down to doing a procedure, you have a few options. One is doing a surgery. That's the most aggressive. And then the second one is a, a kind of a group, which is mostly using a needle in different ways. And so um, to me, I would strongly recommend trying the other stuff before surgery. The surgeries for these are not necessarily as repeatable, and, you know, it's not like you're guaranteed to be better after it. Um, so in general, it seems as though these uh, the injection-type procedures seem to work about as well as surgeries and, and much less recovery, that type of thing. Um, so in, there, are, there are a number of different ones, and I won't get into all the specifics of that, but that would probably be kind of the next step 
um, if, it's, if it's just not getting better with the conservative stuff. Hey, uh, Chuck, uh, let me step in for just a second. Have you tried some of these topical creams, creams that help with the pain? I have not. I have not tried anything like that. I mean, at one point uh, when I was going in for physical therapy, they do some needling um, mm-hmm. for pain, uh, which he he told me will help, but it's it's just that. It's for pain. It's kind of temporary. Um, but he did do that for a while. And, yeah, but I haven't tried any of the creams, no. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at dealing in pain right now? I mean, generally day to day, like it's it's not, it's it's almost non-existent most of the time. It's just like any time, like the stairs, walking up hills, that kind of stuff is kind of what sets it off. And and then sometimes, like you know, uh, doing certain workouts and it'll feel fine, and then you'll just kind of get that that twinge and of pain. And I don't know. Sometimes it feels like you can stretch it and. Uh, if I run or something, I can do it. Uh, physical therapist told me, you know, running on a treadmill is far better than just running. So I've, I've tried to do more of that. Um, but it's kind of like sometimes for that first half a mile, even up to a mile before it really feels like it, it's, it's doing okay, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like you have to warm it up. And the biggest thing yeah, is I mean, I'd love to go out and play basketball again, and, and that's where it's actually, I think that that whatever, if it's the jumping or the cutting, I don't know what it is, but that's where I struggle with it the most to the point of I just, I mean, sometimes the next day you can't hardly even walk hmm. for a while. So. Well, Chuck, thanks for the thanks for the call. We really do appreciate it. I'll, I'll let you go now, and I'll let uh, Dr. Cushman kind of wrap up on this. Uh, you know, Dr. Cushman, you kind of walked through the procedures and, and some of the options for him. He's got his imaging. He's gone through his rehabilitation. He, he's tried, you know, some of those steps. He has not tried the topical creams and, of course, none of the procedures. What do you suggest to him, the, the next, just the, the next action for him? Yeah, and what he describes there is pretty textbook. That's what a lot of people feel. They just can't seem to improve, um, first with walking, then with running, third with kind of the jumping stuff. Um, and so uh, if he is in Dr. Montana, definitely just give him a call back because he knows how to do all that stuff, and he's, I would say, probably the expert on a lot of that stuff. Um, and so to me, I think that the next steps would be kind of evaluating the amount of time that you you can kind of give up to recover and stuff from doing these procedures and that type of thing. I think trying the the topical stuff, that's a bit of a no-brainer to me because if you're not quite getting back and it's kind of just bothering you a lot of the time, that stuff is very safe, um, very little side effects. In worst-case scenario, it doesn't work. It's also really cheap. Um, The medications are usually pretty cheap as well. So to me, that would probably be the next thing I would try. Thanks for the call. Really do appreciate it. Let's jump back out to the phone lines and go to Clark. Clark, you're up next with Dr. Dan Cushman. Go ahead, Clark. Hi. I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. You bet. Um, I'm a, getting to be an older individual. Some people would call me that for sure. Um, I'm almost 66. Um, I'm still able to be quite active. Um, I'm able to... Uh, 
to run marathons um, and stay pretty active in a number of other ways as well. Uh, but I, in, the, in the last marathon, um, I noticed that my hands had swollen uh, quite significantly. And so I've been concerned about that and been trying to come to some sort of a, uh, a resolution as to, as to what it might be and why. Um, I've had some heart work done, ECG, EKG, um, some blood work, um, and everything came back extremely good. The doctor indicated that I had a part of somebody that was probably 20 years younger than I actually am. Um, and so I'm struggling, uh, trying to understand what would be causing that. I, it, it seems like it's some sort of a circulation thing. And, um, and so I was just wondering what would be causing it. Uh, the worst was in the hands after the last marathon. Um, but even the legs now, I notice when I take socks off at the end of the day, there's that indentation <laughs> ring that, you, you know, you see when there's some swelling there. Um, and so I just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, that's interesting. And when was your marathon? Like, how long ago was that? It was in October of last year. And then since you, since that time, what kind of distances have you run when you start noticing it again? Um, I haven't really noticed it in my hands. Oh, the other, one other thing I had to mention is I donate plasma two days a week. And the last marathon in October, um, I had donated on Tuesday and Thursday, and the race was on Saturday. And mm -hmm. I don't know whether that played a part in it. Um, you typically, when donating, you want to stay pretty hydrated, so I drink a lot of fluids before. So anyway, I don't know whether that played a factor in it. I don't think I will do that again next year. I think I'll probably stop a week ahead and, and let my body kind of recover and see if there's anything di different. I've run a half since then and uh, 15K, and uh, it was nowhere near as bad, uh, if even at all. Um, so I, I don't know whether there's a correlation there or not. Yeah, I, I think there very well could be, actually. So when you um, donate plasma, I don't claim to be the expert on this, but my understanding is that um, you do get rid of some of your um, – some of the proteins that uh, bind a lot of your, your water and salt and, and um, the other stuff in your blood. And so, you know, if you, if you are – actually, before I get to that, are you taking any other medication? This is probably one of the questions, too. Um, I wasn't – until just literally I, I was on absolutely no prescription medications until about – Two weeks ago, and after the ECG, the do or after the calcium uh, test on the heart, the doctor suggested that I start maybe taking a small little dose of a cholesterol medication, and that's okay. the first thing that I've ever taken. 
Okay. So then, then to me, I think the plasma could be related to it. Um, I think that could cause that. And if you haven't had it since, I think that I would not necessarily stop donating plasma. But I think if I were going to be doing a marathon um, or even like, you know, a 20-mile run, something like that, I probably would give it a week or so before um, doing that. Um, the other stuff that you talked about, definitely I'm glad you looked into your heart. So if people are getting a lot of swelling, it's, it's very important, no matter how in shape you are, um, to double-check that your heart's working well. So I'm glad that was cleared. The other thing is sometimes your kidneys can have an issue, and that also can be related to the environment. So if it's a hot day and and or how much water you're drinking, sometimes those alone can kind of contribute. Um, if it was a one-time thing, hasn't happened since, I probably wouldn't be too worried about it, particularly since you've had all that other clearance um, by the other physician. So um, to me, it's the kind of thing that, that I would worry about. The one thing, though, is if you're noticing now that your legs are starting to swell, um, in, for the most part, um, that can happen with age. I would not say you're old. <laughs> um, but to me, it usually seems, I would suggest that something else should be uh, checked. So I don't know what the, what the blood work was, but I would just make sure there isn't any mild issue with your kidneys or something like that as well. Um, kidney, so a lot of the time, that would be the next thing Sorry, say that one, Sorry. one more time. The, the, kidney, the kidneys have been checked, and they were uh, fine. So that kind of ruled those out. So starting to rule out a lot of things. Um, the last uh, doctor that I went to, he was saying something about there's little uh, check dams, if you will, in your veins that prevent the, the, the blood from draining back into your feet because of gravity. And he indicated that in some instances, as you get older, those valves don't seal quite as tightly as they used to, and it allows some of that blood to, to backflow and stay in your feet um, a, a little bit more easily uh, than, you know, when you're younger and they're sealing properly. Is that a possibility as well? Yeah, and that's what I was kind of alluding to. Where I mean, with age, it can kind of happen more more commonly um, for those kind of reasons. Um, but to me, I think I think you're doing all the right stuff and just ruling out that other stuff. And if you have some swelling that that goes away with um, a little activity, raising the feet up, stuff like that, and everything else has been ruled out, um, it should probably be okay. Hmm. That's good okay. News. Yeah, <laughs> I like that kind of news for sure. Yeah, that's good well, news. Well, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing for the most part and just take this cholesterol medication and see, you know, how things go over the next little while. So I appreciate it. Again, it kind of helps with that uh, clean conscience, if you will, that uh, there isn't something more serious going on. So hey, I appreciate that. Uh, Clark, stay tuned to, to uh, Doc Talk throughout the weeks. And, and I'd, I'd love for you to call in and give us some type of update on how that's going as, as it continues. But I appreciate the call, really do. And and that opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663, to jump on with Dr. Cushman with any of your health questions. That's 855 855- Three four zero zone. So, Doctor Cushman, it sounds like he he went through the right procedures to you know to check those those major concern points, but before he he resumed. 
Swelling, swelling is something we get a little bit concerned about, um, especially in somebody who's um, in their 60s. You know, that, that's the type time frame where a lot of people, even really, really healthy people, runners included, um, who can have heart issues that can be completely, um, you can head them off at the task far ahead of time. So I think, um, number one, the fact that he's still remaining active is so important. Like, that's going to be better for his life than anything else. The second is that if he has a concern like that, it's, it's definitely worthwhile to get it checked out. Give us a call, 855-340-9663. If you've got a health issue, some type of question, we'd love to take that call. 855-340-9663 to jump on with Dr. Dan Cushman here on Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health. We've got more coming right up. They call me You're listening to Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Doc Talk, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. You're listening to Dr. Dan Cushman. Of course, all of it brought to you by University of Utah Health. And, you know, Dr. Cushman, we always talk about the walk-in clinics that uh, the University of Utah Health and, and a lot of you great physicians have offered out to the general public. And and I don't even, I think a lot of people don't even understand that this is a real opportunity without a, a, without a scheduled appointment to come in and be seen by some of the top physicians in the country just, just in a walk-in fashion. Um, and I, I know that, you know, I know University of Utah Health, I know that all, all the physicians there take great pride in this. It's really a cool deal. Yeah, you know, and, and since COVID came, um, it's had to shift a little bit. Um, and at first, we were kind of, we weren't pretty, you know, we weren't sure how it was going to work. Our, our thought initially was we're going to have all these people going to the emergency room. We want to do whatever we can to a, keep people out of the emergency room. If you if you break your wrist, we don't want you to go to the emergency room. We want you to go to a, a clinic where there's less people with COVID around. And so what we ended up doing was um, now when you call in to go to the injury clinic, it used to be that we would just have people come in one after the other. But then we end up with 15 people all in the waiting room at the same time it was a busy day. So now when you call in, they just schedule you for an appointment that day. So you, if you call at 1 p.m., they'll just schedule you for 1.30 and you come in at that time. And it keeps the waiting room clear of people. And it's really nice because now there's way less of a wait time um, when you come in because you're going to be scheduled in the slot where, where, where we'll see you, but there'll be far fewer people. Man, that's fantastic and, and safer, obviously, in today's climate. So the injury clinic goes Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., and then Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And we're talking about getting seen by the physicians that work with the jazz players, that work with the University of Utah football, basketball, swimming, cross-country, track and field teams. They work with the top-end athletes in the state of Utah. These are the best physicians around. And you get to walk in, and we are asking you to throw in a phone call before you come at 801 997 9955. But Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., and then Friday extended hours of 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And it's all at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. It just makes it convenient. 
Um, it's a great opportunity to have your kid, maybe your kid jacks up a knee or an ankle in practice. Well, you can be seen the next day inside that time frame. And if you need more information on it, you can go to sportsmed.uviewhealth.org. If you're a parent out there like I am that's constantly having kids slide into a base and jack an ankle or go to, go to score a goal in a soccer game and 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 you know throw a shoulder into it or, or fall and hit their head, you've got to have this on tap and ready to go. That's 801-997-9955 for the clinic. That's the walk-in clinic Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Located at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. We've got more phone calls um, that are coming in right now. 855-340-9663. But before I jump out and, and get to some of these phone calls, Dr. Cushman, I, I want to get a thought from you personally on on face mask and, and make it really quick because we do we we've got loaded phone lines and robert will get out to you in just a second but give us just give us a thought on the importance of wearing a face mask or or non-importance just how you feel about face mask personally yeah i've looked into this into this a lot i think originally when this whole thing started um there was a big push for saying um, masks don't help much. Um, we're talking about a tiny virus that's just going to go right through them. It's like if you were to wear a cloth mask and not expect any cigarette smoke to get through, like you're still going to smell it. Um, but as things have evolved, there's more and more research that's been done um, on this, even very, very recently. And um, the studies pretty much across the board show that it at least helps a little bit, at least. Some of them show it helps significantly. And the people who are kind of saying they don't help, the studies that they cite are not very impressive. Like one was four people. That's one of the common ones that people um, cite is they say these four people we saw in China, um, face masks didn't help. Um, so to me, I would say, A, what do you got to lose? Um, B, the studies pretty much across the board show that they help reduce transmission from you to someone else. So um, when you're wearing one, even if you're asymptomatic, which is one of the worst parts about COVID, um, you may still have the virus and give it to somebody who can die from it. Um, so if everybody wore face masks, I think it would help a lot more. And um, the latest things that um, they found out of the state of Utah have been that all the latest cases, they were really concerned about the protests um, contributing to this. But they really haven't found any cases because of the amount of people wearing face masks. And the latest cases have all come from um, local gatherings where wow. people have not been wearing it. So to me, I think it would. Wow. it's great stuff. Thank you, Dr. Cushman. Um, let's jump back out to the phone lines, go to our next caller. Robert, you're up with Dr. Cushman. Robert, what's your question? Hey, Doc, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, um, I just had a question. Um and, and and remind me if, if, it, if I'm off topic, but I've had uh, two knee surgeries, uh, both ACL surgeries on both knees, and when I cut in the grass or in the turf, I feel like my knee is, like, popping, and then I'm not able to walk properly for a whole week because it just stiffens up. Does that sound to you that I need knee surgery again? Mm, that's, a, that's a tough one. Where does it hurt you? So it's hurting on the outside of my knee, on my left side, and then on the inside on my right knee. So it feels like getting, it's bone on bone. 
Yeah, if you're getting popping um, that causes pain for a week, that's what might get checked out because um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to need a surgery. It's possible that you would. Um, but some of the time, um, if you're getting that type of thing, that, that suggests to me that there's something mechanical. And when I say mechanical, what I mean is it's not like an inflammation. It's not like, um, you know, you get a bug bite and it hurts there. You get pain, but it's not like something's happening at that location. Mechanical is where something's rubbing or clicking or popping or, or moving around. And so um, those are the things that I find usually you should get checked out because if you, if you leave them, they don't tend to get better on their own. They tend to, um, they can cause damage, and it's something that you really want to make sure um, is something that's either okay and that you don't have to worry about it or that you want to get fixed. Hey, Rob, okay. how long ago were the two ACL surgeries? Um, so I had uh, my first surgery was back in uh, 2008 up at BYU, and then the next one was after my mission, uh, 2010. But ever since then, um, so it's from rugby. When I drop kick a rugby ball, I'm right-footed, it feels like the inside of my knee is like, the, it feels like it's popping out. Hmm. And then I'm not even able to bend it. It just swells up, and I'm out for about a week icing and taking ibuprofen. So I just, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely get that checked out. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to say without, like, uh, moving your knee around. And, and I, you definitely want to get some imaging, at least an x-ray for that. Um, and uh, it, to me, that's something that, that you're probably going to have to um, have something done to it. But I, I couldn't say what without seeing it. So a little, but, but, but uh, this is alarming to you to a certain extent. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't my think right that, like, it's... Oh, I was just gonna say, I don't think it's the kind of thing where I'm like, "Hey, you should go in tomorrow," because you don't. If you don't get this fixed right away, it's gonna be bad. But I think if you keep doing it month after month after month, that's when I think you know some some more permanent damage might happen. So I would I would get it checked out kind of sooner rather than later. What were you gonna say, Robert? So I I just was wondering, it, um, so on my right knee, I had a patellar tendon hamstring. Um, replacement, and then on my left leg, it was a patellar tendon, and I feel like my right knee with the hamstring and the cadaver is a lot looser than the left knee. Does that have anything to do with it, or...? It possibly could, yeah. Um, some, sometimes it, that looseness that you feel, that definitely can be related to some. Sometimes you want some, some laxity, some looseness in there. Other times you want it to be tighter. Um, but it's hard to say kind of how that knee is moving. Um, and then the other question, it's not common at all, is, is did it break again at some point and, and that, that ACL is not kind of the, the new ACL, the reconstructed ACL, if that's not doing what it's supposed to, that would be the other concern there. Hmm. Got it. All right, well, that's a big help. Do you think I'll need an MRI or just x-rays? So in general, if you came in and saw us, um, what I would what I recommend is I do non-operative, for example. So if you came in and saw me, I would get an X-ray right then. But honestly, if I was in your shoes, I, w- I would actually talk to a surgeon, not to say that you are going to need surgery, but you want to talk to somebody who knows hey, this is normally what happens with this kind of ACL surgery, that type of thing. Um, best case would be to see the surgeon who did it the first time because they know exactly what they did. But next best would be to see somebody who does a lot of ACLs. 
and then they they would start with an X-ray for sure, um, and then the question of getting an MRI would depend on when they're moving you around what they see. Got it. Got it. Well, Robert, good luck on that, buddy. Um, that sounds yeah. that sounds miserable, and and I, I think Doctor Cushman brings up a really good point. Find the physician that helped you originally. Go to them. They've they've got a, a really good idea of what was was going on with the knee, what they did uh, in in the operation, and probably have a really good idea. And that that really shouldn't stop you from a second opinion either. Do you think, Doctor Cushman? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my two cents on second opinions is. If a doctor's ever mad at you for getting a second opinion, you probably shouldn't be seeing them. Um, everybody's goal should be to make you better. So whatever um, is the best thing to, to make you better is, is the way to go. So I think a second opinion never hurts, ever. Big thanks to uh, Robert for the call. We really do appreciate it. And Dr. Cushman, before we let you go, I, I want to kind of give you an opportunity one more time to share with people the, the walk-in clinic, the availability, and, and also I, I'd like you to kind of paint a picture for people out there how the healthcare systems have changed a bit through some of these Zoom calls and the interactions that you're having with patients now online. Yeah, sure. Um, I think pretty much across the board with healthcare right now, um, we are trying to limit people uh, coming to our office. So um, if, if there's an issue, whatever that issue may be, we kind of try to screen screen the calls first to say, is this something that we could do virtually? You know, we could do a video call, that type of thing. And if so, that's what we're going to do. If it's the kind of thing where we say, you know, we need to move your knee around, that last caller was a perfect example. That one I would say, no, don't do it virtual one because we're going to have to move your knee around. Um, but for a lot of things, that it's, it's actually kind of surprising. We don't need to do that. I can just stand there from 15 miles away and say, hey, do this with your knee, stand like this, move like this, and that gives me what I need. Um, and then occasionally it'll be like, well, we need to get you an x-ray or an MRI or something like that. So a lot of the time, actually, we can do it uh, remotely. So that's part one. Um, and then part two, your question about the, the walk-in clinic, um, originally the, the, the whole goal was that, goal for that was, let's say you, um, you, you fall down and you hurt your wrist. You don't know if it's broken. The only options would be if it's, you know, even noon would be you would call your primary care doc and they would say, well, I can see you in three weeks. Or you could go to the emergency room. So there's got to be something between that. So what we started here, um, Dr. English uh, came from St. Louis and had started it there. And so she started it here. And it's great because then you can go to somebody who sees tons of wrists and says, well, that's easy. I can just, you know, take an x-ray and, yeah, you broke it. Here's what we do. Or, no, you didn't break it. Here's what you do. Um, and then that way it's just kind of a higher-level care in the emergency room who says, you know, don't worry, you're not going to die. Go home and uh, see somebody in a week. Um, and so that's that's the real nice thing about it. And then as it's evolved, like I was saying before, is now if it's Tuesday at, at noon, you call in and they'll say, all right, we'll see you in three hours or at 3.30 today or at 4 o'clock today that's when we can fit you in but it'll be the same day um so it's it's nice now because like i said there's, there's less of a wait time in that 
Well, Dr. Cushman, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. I, I know, you know, all the physicians across the board, you guys are so generous with your time. And, and thanks for ramping things up. I mean, we've been able to do Doc Talk nearly every week through the last couple of months because I know people have really needed the help. So thank you to, to you and all the physicians that have come on. Thank you so much, Dr. Cushman. No problem. It's always great talking to you. Yeah, you as well. That's Dr. Dan Cushman with University of Utah Health. You can find him at sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. Take advantage of that walk-in clinic. It's absolutely amazing. And as always, huge thank you to University of Utah Health for their partnership with 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Keep it tuned right here. It's the guys having a little bit of fun with the movie zone. Austin. We talking about your uh, poll question that you you threw out there? Oh, we're gonna try to get to it. Yeah, All the right. movies that you like as much as the kids do, and you had a few interesting answers. Yeah, I uh, oh, did. You say in- interesting? Well, there was two that were great, and then it was like that's not a kids movie. Oh, Whatever. really? <laughs> the Burbs, really? We'll have a little bit of fun with that next. Coming up on the movie zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot, ninety-seven five twelve into the zone.